once I got traded back to the Bucks, I realized those were the guys that I watched. It was the Ray Allens and the big dogs and the Sam Cassells. And so it was like, once I got traded to the Bucks, I was, then I was literally living my dream. These were the guys I, when I dreamt when I was younger, I wanted to be. You're listening to The Quick Cast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome into the QuickCast, the official podcast of Quick Trip. My name is Chris Calloway with the marketing department. And I'm joined today by Steve Novak, an 11-year NBA veteran and also very involved in our partnership with Twos, Freeze, and Threes. We'll talk about that plenty today. Steve, first, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. It's awesome to be here. We uh, came on over here to lacrosse. We got some uh, cool stuff planned. But uh, just you know, being in Wisconsin kind of now full-time after – a decade plus being all around the country. Is it, is it sort of, you know, feel good to be back home kind of full-time post your playing career? You know, it really does. I think, like you said, I went on a little world tour uh, in the NBA. I was, you know, I'm from Brown Deer and uh, played basketball in Marquette. So Wisconsin has always been home for me. But after the world, world tour, you're never sure where you're going to end up. And it's, it was kind of crazy playing in New York and playing in Los Angeles and Toronto and all these cool places. And then one day having the realization with my wife, we're like, you know what, Wisconsin's pretty awesome. And, and not that we needed to go to all these other places to, to realize that, but being home in Wisconsin and uh, you know, growing up in Brown Deer and now living in, in Whitefish Bay, not mm-hmm. far from there, is definitely where we've always wanted to be. And I think Wisconsin, it certainly is a, a special place, so it's home. Very cool. And uh, we are very happy to have partnered with an organization that you put together, uh, Twos, Freeze, and Threes, which basically you're just trying to find the, the best shooters in the yeah. country. Can you kind of tell us about uh, that, that event, that organization, and kind of how the first year went? Absolutely. It's a, it's a like you said, Twos, Freeze, and Threes. Is a, it's a passion project of mine. I uh, Believe it or not, I uh, am obsessed with shooting. Mm-hmm. And so there was nothing I loved more growing up than a great shooting competition and so uh, people can't see right now but my dad who was my basketball coach is here in the studio joining us right now he would take me to free throw contests and he had basketball camps and I was always in the gym with him and so uh, growing up and there being nothing that I love more than a great competition whether it was actually free throw contest or punt pass and kick or whatever Mm -hmm. it was um, one day realized there's no great basketball shooting competition that I know of that exists that kind of encompasses not just free throws or you hear about dunk contests or three-point contests. So I created Twos, Freeze, and Threes, a basketball shooting competition to find the greatest shooters in the state of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the first year, it's just been way beyond, I think, our expectations. Uh, partnering with Quick, Quick Trip has been awesome um, as a statewide partner, but also just finding these shooters that are diamonds in the rough. It's boys and girls, it's men and women. Um, we had over 2,000 shooters in the events this year, and we're quick, quickly growing. And um, it just has really been cool to see the stories of the families coming in, where it's mom shooting and her two sons, and then it's a dad shooting and his daughter. And uh, just kind of the beautiful, I think, uh, equalizer that shooting is mm-hmm. um, has been a beautiful thing. Basketball is an awesome sport. And uh, one year in, we've crowned a greatest shooter in the state of Wisconsin, hmm. which is pretty awesome. We've given out a championship belt and a bunch of cool hardware. So uh, it's been a fun journey so far. And next year, we're coming back uh, even bigger and better. So when does the competitions, the registrations, all that kind of stuff, when does that get rolling for year number two? 
So year two, basically our twos, freeze, threes season is March through May for regionals. So regionals, myself, my twos, freeze, threes team, we kind of, we go to all the regional sites. Anybody who wants to host an event, we've come to them and done the events with different teams and clubs. And so on our website, twosfreezethrees.com, anyone who wants to host can go sign up, pick a date. We show up and run the event and get a bunch of kids and grown-ups in the gym to, to shoot. And then after the regionals happen, the top half of the shooters move on to sectionals, which is June and July, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome and fun to watch kind of that top echelon of the shooters sure. go. And then state finals in August. This year it was uh, August 7th at the Al McGuire Center. I have a little affiliation with Marquette <laughs> sure. University, so it ended up there. And it was just an awesome event with Travis Diener being the celebrity champion. Mm. Um, as a former Marquette great and, sure. uh, and an NBA veteran. And uh, it was just really cool to just see, I think, uh, the passion and the competitiveness of the top 64 shooters at state finals compete and crown some champions. So it was really fun, and we hope that there's a lot more regionals and a lot more shooters uh, this year. Very cool. We'll get into those Marquette days here in a little bit. But just a question about like shooting in general. Obviously, you have some credentials there. Um, the ninth best percentage all-time in NBA history, which is pretty cool. Ahead of some names like uh, Kyle Korver, Steve Nash, uh, Steph Curry. You know, it's seeing yeah. your name on the basketball reference list is it's pretty cool to see. But um, there's been such an emphasis on shooting and that mm-hmm. ability, you know, in, in, yeah. to make it at the highest level. How has that changed the game in your opinion? And how have you seen that kind of trickle down to some of those lower levels where, you know, I, yeah. I go to the YMCA and see third graders draining threes all day. I mean, yeah. how have you kind of seen that change the game? It, it, it has been a dramatic shift. I think, you know, part of the reason for twos, freeze, threes was, like you just said, the shift in the game of basketball has become this shooting, specifically from range, three-point shooting, went from being this frowned upon, you have to have the green light from your coach to do it. It's settling if you don't throw the ball into the big man and let mm-hmm. the big fella, you know, like Shaq or Kareem go down there and dunk it. But all of a sudden, I think, in, in my opinion, what really happened was, the Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. they proved with Steph Curry and Clay, Clay Thompson that you can win championships, that you can truly be a great basketball team playing with pace, shooting three-pointers, and in volume. And I think there's one great stat that's kind of very telling. I think it's maybe 11 years now. If you look back 10, 11 years, there was not a team in the NBA that was making more than 10 three-pointers per game just a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And now if you look at the 30 NBA teams, there is not a team in the NBA making less than 10 Mm three-pointers per game. And so there's been this shift from you have to be an elite shooter to shoot to if you don't shoot, you can't play in this game. And so for me, it was always a passion. And, you know, I do. I credit my dad for allowing me as a Mm 6'9", 6'10 guy. Mm -hmm. I was always the tallest kid in my class. Everybody would always say, you know, you should have your back to the basket and you should be down there posting up on these guys. And my dad would just say, if you enjoy shooting, which he would be coaching practice at one end at Mm -hmm. Round Deer High School, I'd be at the other end shooting it from as far away as I could from my shoulder because that was more fun than doing the George Mikan drill. (laughs) And so one thing I do really take pride in, I think, is, you know, the list that you mentioned being top 10 in NBA history and three-point percentages, I'm the tallest guy on that list. Mm. And I think that to me that's a big credit to my dad saying, what do you love to do? I was like, I love to be in the gym with you, and I love to shoot. And he was like, then go do that. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, for my dad and I, we got to witness the game evolving while I played into, you better be a shooter no matter how tall you are. <laughs> exactly. And so it was. it's certainly been uh, a validating process. But 
frustrating to watch some of these seven-footers get to shoot 15 threes per game, and I was high volume at about five to seven attempts per game. Right. But makes me feel a little bit like a trailblazer, and I have pride watching guys like Duncan Robinson sign $95 sure. million dollar contracts, so God bless them. Yeah, I mean, if you were born 10 years earlier, you're probably in the gym with your back to the basket the whole time. And so, yeah. you know, with a different coach, different situation, your career is probably totally different. You might yeah. play in college, overseas maybe, but like – yeah. Absolutely. And especially at six foot ten. I just I can't. Well, imagine. Chris, now you're six four. <laughs> right. So and I know in your Waukesha West days, you likely had your back to the basket posting some guys up. We had the football linemen down back to the basket. <laughs> so I got to play on the perimeter a little bit, but you know, even at six foot four, there was an expectation that I could yeah. step out a little bit too if I was gonna be effective. So Yeah, and even when I think back to, you know, my early Marquette days, mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade, who's six four. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe <laughs> in high school he was a guy who was a four-man five-man mm-hmm. when coach Tom Crane recruited him and you know he had those big man skills and he guarded some bigger guys but it was amazing just to see that he was even a guy who was at 6-4 in the city of Chicago considered a big man and obviously he evolved to become one of the greatest players of all time but there's no doubt the addition of the three-point line and just the way that shooting has gone. I think in a, a huge credit does you know, go to the Golden State Warriors sure. and Steph Curry for showing you can win shooting three-pointers in volume. And I think maybe some Billy Bean analytics had a little bit to mm-hmm. do with that too when people realized three points are worth more than two. One so and a half. so like, the, yeah, yeah, the math. The, the just, math is there. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so the Marquette teams, I mean, I, I vividly remember watching – uh, the game against Kentucky, you know, yeah. going to the Final Four, you know, approaching uh, now 20 years ago at that point. Not Watch to, not it. To date Don't you. date me. It's not been that long. <laughs> um, what do you remember most? Obviously, the wins, the the being able to, you know, be on a national stage like that. But what kind of stands out most from your time at Marquette? You know, what stands out to me, I think, is, like you said, that was for sure the most special year that I had in college was my freshman year. Dwayne Wade is there, Travis Diener. It's guys like, you know, local guys, Scott Merritt, Terry Sanders, um, a, a truly special group. And, and that journey for me as a freshman was it was it happened fast. Mm-hmm. You know, I was feeling pretty much that whole season like here I am, this kid from Brown Deer. I had awesome offers from all over the country. I decided Marquette, t- Coach Tom Crean, that was the right program, the right team for me. And then as soon as I got there, I realized, oh, my gosh, these guys are so good. What am I going to do? I can barely keep up. My feet hurt. I've never worked this hard. Um, But all that being said, it's like the glory of the Final Four and all that happened. When I look back, it really was – it was a special group of guys. It Mm -hmm. was like now I look and it's these dads who have kids who are great men in the community. You know, Joe Chapman was Mm -hmm. one of my teammates at Marquette. He has his own program in Mequon. Scott Merritt is now coached at Marquette University and at the University of Wisconsin now. And so I go on and on. Travis Diener has his own building Mm -hmm. where he does workouts and hosts tournaments and uh, so many guys that have done so many cool things. And you look back and you go, what made that team so special? Why were you so good? And I think it was that it was a a group of guys that were high-quality characters Mm -hmm. and who loved one another, all had passions for the game, were were workers. And so um, we actually just had a really special 20-year like you said, 20 years. I think it's only been 19, but <laughs> sure. we'll call it 20. Right. 20 year reunion where Dwayne Wade had special jackets made for everybody. 
from that Final Four team that are kind of a Hall of Fame-like mm-hmm. kind of a Masters tournament. Sure. Really clean, cool blue blazers with the Marquette logo on the pocket and the lining has pictures of all the memories from that Final Four run, a lot of them sure. from that Kentucky game. And so being able to be a part of a team that you know can get together and have memories like that um, is one of the things I think I'm most grateful for on my basketball journey to you know have, have won big and to have been a part of you know, played with guys like Dwayne Wade, who sure. are really special, special characters. Right. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame guy. Did you know in college that he had that potential? Could I mean, he sort of took off once he got to got to the pros. But did you know you were playing with a future Hall of Famer when you were in college? You know, it's it's interesting. Now I, you know, it's like I've played 11 years in the mm-hmm. NBA and broadcast, and have been so blessed to be around. You know, Hall of Fame guys like Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming and Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Giannis. Mm-hmm. And so when I think, it's like looking back, I go, oh, yes, Dwayne. I mean, for goodness sakes, he was so special. He had a triple-double against Kentucky, and he was great. But when I truly remember back to my first impressions of Dwayne, I'll never forget playing in the old gym at Marquette. Mm -hmm. And Dwayne Wade and uh, uh, another guy from Chicago, Darte Blankston, had come up on their first time they were going to play at the old gym with some of the Marquette guys, Brian Wardle, Cordell Henry, Mm -hmm. some really good players. And I remember leaving that gym when I was maybe just a sophomore in high school and I was playing pickup with those guys at that point and thinking, I just left the gym and played against this guy, Dwayne Wade, who was not sure. as highly touted right. as even his friend Odarte Blankson, who was there. And I left and said, oh, my gosh, he is special. He was so good. And I went home to my house in Brown Deer and told my parents, and this sounds funny now, but it's how you talked when you were in high school. I just played with this guy who I think is going to be in the NBA, sure. which is obviously like someone just blew you out of the water. And so I think I knew, and a lot of people knew he was really good, but I hadn't played with those Hall of Fame guys I mm-hmm. listed yet. So you didn't know what it felt like, what it looked like. You just knew he was better than everyone else. Sure. So to see what he went on to do was truly special. I mean, he's an international superstar who's won championships and uh, is really special. And so uh, I honestly just blessed to have played with a talent like that and a, and a presence sure. like that. Uh, so you mentioned like you and Travis Dean are guys that came out of Wisconsin. Um, there's a couple guys that kind of in the era right before you, uh, Latrell Sprewell, Nick Van mm-hmm. Exel, you know, some of those uh, Wisconsin legends. But it seems as of recently, there have been a lot of guys that have come out of the Milwaukee area, out of Wisconsin. You know, Sam Decker, Wes Matthews, uh, Golden State Warriors had two of them last year, and Kevon Looney and Jordan Poole. Yeah. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Tyler Hero. We have Johnny Davis from right here in lacrosse. Yeah. I mean, what is it about Wisconsin basketball over the last decade that's sort of – taken off and kind of put more of themselves on the national map? You know, I do think, like you mentioned, Wisconsin is a a highly underrated uh, place for basketball. Mm -hmm. There are so many good players. And, you know, I do think it's it's hard to say why there's certain hotbeds where all of a sudden, you know, guys pop up. But there's no doubt, I think, you're seeing, you know, guys like myself from not that long ago, but past <laughs> eras. But the, the, the Latrell Sprewells mm-hmm. and the, the Van Exels and guys like that, it's like we take so much pride in knowing, you know, if we even had a little part of, you know, them, of, of the future generations, seeing guys have success at that level and go, wait a minute, he's from Brown Deer, mm-hmm. he's from Rice Lake, he's from Lacrosse, and he's doing that. And then maybe that being an inspiration and guys going like, hold on, I can, yeah. I can do this too. And I think that it really is cool to see guys from the state 
stay in the state. And of course, I prefer the guys to go to Marquette. But if they have to stay in the state and go to Marquette or Wisconsin, mm-hmm. it still really is as I get older. It's just like such a place of pride to see guys within the state having success playing and going on and, and having success. And then especially coming back to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. you know, seeing Wes Matthews right now. He's been just an unbelievable, sure. you know, known as the Iron Man. Played all these games, and he ends up back with the Milwaukee Bucks, mm-hmm. and you know, hopefully fighting to win another championship this year. But to me, that's maybe the coolest part is when guys come back to the state and continue to make basketball better, like you said, like Travis Diener, and is impacting that next generation. Joe Chapman, the things he's done sure. in Mequon is been really really cool to see the guy i forgot to mention a devin harris so you always yeah. a little bit of the uh, he went to madison but yeah i mean he was a top what top five pick i mean yeah. that's impressive so big time yeah mr basketball mm-hmm. and a, a guy who like you said he's represented wisconsin basketball right. you know so well so great guy so then you you transition into the the nba and I think it's sort of a, a badge of honor at some point to be called a journeyman. You know, you played on, what, <laughs> nine teams over 11 seasons, which means yeah. that you, you keep getting you know, a new home, a new apartment, you know, in all these different cities you go to. I mean, how do you kind of look back on living in so many different places, playing in different organizations, coaches, like all the different people in your NBA life that you kind of experienced over that last, over the decade? So are you in the league? I'll give you the, I'll give you the journeyman joke. Sure. So in the NBA... There's the joke that if you've played for nine teams in 11 years, either no one in the league wants you or everyone in the league wants you. And so you can imagine which way I lean. I think I was just Mm -hmm. so in demand that everybody wanted to trade for me. But I had a really interesting conversation with one of my teammates at the end of my career, uh, Nick Collison. And he was a guy who played for one organization his entire career. He was with Oklahoma City Thunder. He was actually the Seattle Supersonics Mm -hmm. that then moved to Oklahoma City. But he was essentially with one franchise his entire career. And we were teammates in Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. And one day we're at dinner because my wife and kids had moved there yet, so I was pretty much just dating Nick Collison and we were (laughs) hanging out every night. And I just said to him, like, it's got to be amazing for you after every season. Season ends, you pack up your stuff, you go back to, you know, where your home is. He Mm -hmm. was in Seattle at the time. And then your house is just here waiting for you. And you know your team and you know the facility, your car is there. You're all situated and you're good. That's got to be such a blessing. I keep moving. I keep getting traded. And he looked at me and he was like just baffled. I could tell him, like, what's your deal? And he's like, are you serious? I was like, what? He's like, you got to play in New York, in Los Angeles, in Toronto. You've been in all these places in Utah and Oklahoma City. He's like, you've had hundreds of teammates. You've had Mm -hmm. like in the NBA, it's like dozens of coaches basically with the turnover. And he's like, and you think being in one place is, is so awesome? And that being said, out of respect for Nick and what he did, I think he certainly did value mm-hmm. being there and being in one place and the luxuries that came with it. But he was like, the grass is always greener. Sure. He's like, of course, it's been great for me to have those that ease and luxury, but for you to experience what you did, to play for that many people and to have had that many teammates, he's like, check your phone book. Like, how many teammates and teams and people do you have in there from the fact that you got traded? He's like, you lived in Houston for two years, in L.A. for two years, and all these places. He's like, you know the world. You've lived in every corner. And I was like, wow, I will stop being so <laughs> naive. I, sure. I was like, it was just a cool point of perspective, especially from a guy like Nick, who was, you know, I think played 16 years in the NBA mm-hmm. and is one of the most respected guys going, hey, being a journeyman isn't that bad. Yeah. And I was like, well, sure. I would have loved to have just come back to the same house one time, but fair enough. So you mentioned New York. I think about that Knicks team. And how crazy it must have been. I mean, 
the Knicks, I think, when they're good, there's a, a different spotlight on them than almost yeah. any other franchise. And yeah. you were with them for a couple of seasons that I think were unlike any other that they've had recently. Yeah. You know, getting to play with guys like Carmelo Anthony or Meyer Stoudemire, but then yeah. everything that went on with Jeremy Lin and yeah. that, like, thinking back now to like playing in Madison Square Garden, like, yeah. what what stands out most about that type of experience? I mean. Madison Square Garden is is it's a religious sure. experience. It really is, especially you know I had played there for a, a couple of games in college and mm-hmm. I played there as a visitor, but being a New York Nick and like you said, the pressure I think and just the, the the city itself, the energy that's there, it's a different experience and it's obviously a a home and a hub of basketball. And so like you said, playing with Mello, special. Mm-hmm. He's just such a, an incredible player. I know Amari Stoudemire, the presence that he was, and you know he had success and kind of got things churning in New York before I got there. But then, like you said, the 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 year that was my most memorable basketball experience by far was with the Knicks, with when Jeremy Lin uh-huh. created Lin Sanity. And like you said, there's a different spotlight, and yeah. even Jeremy acknowledges that it's like what Jeremy did throughout Lin Sanity for I guess what ended up being a month and a half, right. maybe two months, if you kind of just carry over some of the energy that he. Cause it's like we're at Madison Square Garden, and I think it was you know fr- Saturday night, and we're playing against the Lakers and the great rest in peace Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. and Kobe Bryant says pregame, I don't know who this Jeremy <laughs> Lin guy, I don't know who he is, sure. which is just adds to the drama of the story, and then Jeremy Lin goes out at the Garden, this kid from Harvard, mm-hmm. who's of Taiwanese descent, isn't exactly the prototypical basketball player and puts up like 25 points, 11 assists, and seven rebounds against the Lakers after Kobe Bryant said he doesn't know who he right. is and goes on to basically put up those numbers and hit game winners and you know basically turn his career into a movie mm-hmm. over a couple months. And so that was sort of the window in time to where I was really able to, I think, play my best basketball. So Jeremy not only was doing great things for himself, but he brought guys with him. Mm-hmm. And so it was a, a special time. And even I have to look back and – you look at the dates and the games and some of the things Jeremy did and uh, to remember how special it was. Mm-hmm. But uh, honestly, religious is almost the best way I can describe the garden and Linsanity. And so Jeremy and I are still in touch and he's still out there hooping. He won yeah. a championship with Toronto, so he's mm-hmm. got a ring and, and now he's in, in China playing. So sure. uh, he's, a, he's a special, special guy. And then getting to end your career in Milwaukee, I mean, sort of the put a bow on things? Did it kind of feel like yeah. that opportunity to, to, to come home to, um, I didn't know if you, if you knew it was going to be your last stop at the time, but did you yeah. kind of think that this is sort of fitting way to bring it full circle? Yeah, I, it's interesting when you're playing in the NBA, you sometimes play with guys who are in their hometowns mm-hmm. or want to play in their hometowns. Sure. And I think, you know, while I was uh, in my early years in the NBA, of course, my dream my whole life was to make it to the NBA and to play. And so it was so awesome getting to that point and, you know, playing for different teams and getting to the NBA. But I, I didn't really want to play for the Bucks early on because you feel like you need to go somewhere else other mm-hmm. than home and prove yourself. And so that, you know, organically happened. I got drafted to the Houston Rockets, was able to go from there to L.A. and play in different places. And then really like New York, I felt like I was able to prove mm-hmm. the work I put in and who I was. And that's all you ever want is to, the opportunity to prove that the work that you put in made you who you knew you could be and so once I had played in New York then it was like if Milwaukee ever became a place I'd love to be Mm -hmm. at home and play at the Bradley Center at the time 
And I think mainly because, and I realized that when I did end up getting traded back to Milwaukee in my 10th season, my ninth season, was although I had gotten to the NBA and it was a dream of mine to get there and I said, I achieved my dream and I've gotten here. Once I got traded back to the Bucks, I realized those were the guys that I watched. It was the Ray Allens mm-hmm. and the Big Dogs and the Sam Cassells. And so it was like, once I got traded to the Bucks, I was then I was literally living my dream. These were the guys I, when I dreamt when I was younger, I wanted to be. I wanted to practice at the Cousin Center. I was, you know, at the time, George Carl was a coach, and mm-hmm. I was friends with his son, Kobe Carl. Sure. And we would, you know, Kobe had access, obviously, with his dad as a mm-hmm. coach. We would sneak in the Cousin Center locker room. I remember, you know, messing with Sam Cassell's shoes <laughs> and putting on Ray Allen's shoes and them never knowing and us getting out in the Cousin Center and shooting around. <clears throat> and so to come back to the Bucks and to uh, practice at the Cousin Center. And then, like you said, I think finish my career in Milwaukee where – you know, we wanted to to end up <clears throat> at the end of my career. It was an awesome homecoming, sure. and then, you know, the transition also happened, where I was able to go from playing, also to to broadcasting. You know, after the the great John McLaughlin, and so mm-hmm. it was a a very fitting and uh, timely time to be to be back in Milwaukee. So then, as a Bucks fan growing up, are you still as mad about the 2001 Eastern Conference Finals as yes. I am? Okay. Good. Oh we my gosh! <laughs> I know. Don't we will not go back in YouTube right. and watch those clips. But but it sort of got cleansed a little bit with the championship run and being able to kind of see that and Absolutely. you know be part of the early stages of that and kind of see mm-hmm. Giannis as a you know kid <laughs> yeah <laughs> turn into to what he is now. I mean, what was that? What was that year like for you? Kind of getting a close seat to, yeah. to that championship run. You know, again, it's it's one of those things where, like you said, I was teammates with Giannis for two years before he was great. Mm-hmm. You know, I was teammates with him when it was like him winning the most improved and him going from averaging 12 to averaging 17 points to averaging, you know, 23 to now. It's like he'll average whatever he wants. Right. So to see, you know, what Giannis has been able to do and also to see, I think, the magic that can be created by a guy like that mm-hmm. has been special because Milwaukee was a place that, you know, guys like Yi were drafted here and said, I don't know if I really want to be there. And there's certain guys you go after and, you know, free agency or you, you try to recruit them to Milwaukee. They don't necessarily want to come to Milwaukee and play for the Bucks. Giannis changed all of that. Mm-hmm. Now there's guys that are coming to Milwaukee and signing extensions. But to see him do it the right way, to see him sign a five-year extension and say, I see LeBron James and some of these other guys signing one year plus one so that they're always in control of their next year. Giannis said, Milwaukee's my city. This is who drafted me. I want to win here. This is my team. How about I sign a five-year extension? And yes, he's getting $250 million, but he was going to get $250 million no matter where he went. So to watch that loyalty and that magic and I think just to be that special a figure to to have 50 points mm-hmm. and to win a championship and to see what it's done to the city of Milwaukee and the state of Wisconsin. Sure. I think the impact on the youth that are watching that um, and really even grownups, just the magic and the happiness you feel that, you know, we're in this awesome place that's good enough for Giannis and it's a basketball, uh, a special place for basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been a treat. And to be on the broadcast side now where, you know, it is my job to just put these guys up on pedestals and talk about the awesome stuff they're doing. They make it easy because they're the good guys. It's like Drew sure. Holiday and Chris Middleton and Giannis are just, they're a special group and they're doing it the right way. So it's fun to fun to be a part of. 
and I'm sure you have some nostalgia for the Bradley Center, but the Pfizer form is pretty nice. And it is. the it whole is. deer district that they've built up around that. I mean, professional sports, I mean, the Packers, I think, are always going to be king. But, like, the Bucks were pretty far down there on the pecking order. And to kind of see that whole area come to life yeah. and largely around Bucks basketball has been awesome to see and being able to be down there and I got to go to the NCAA tournament games that were there and it's yeah. it's an awesome venue and I think a lot of that will be like sort of the house that Giannis built but yeah just the organization gets a lot of credit too for for sure for putting that all together yeah and Herb Cole yeah you know because you know he was adamant about this team this franchise staying in Milwaukee mm-hmm. and I think you know to to know that he said this team can't leave. They've got to stay here, and that's first and foremost. And to give $100 million back on the sale to make sure the team stayed here. But then also to have guys like, you know, Wes Edens and Mark Lazary mm-hmm. and Facitelli and Dynan, the, the new owners, for them to come in with these big ideas into a Midwest town like Milwaukee mm-hmm. and make it all happen to win a championship and to build Pfizer Forum and now to see the development in the Deer District – it's pretty special. It's it's a it's a cool time I think to to live in Milwaukee to be a, like you said not only a Bucks fan but a Packers fan mm-hmm. a Brewers fan, and so there's special things continuing to happen down there and um, I think everybody's just jumping on Giannis's back and saying if you're going to keep being this great we're going to keep pushing this city so it's a it's a good time to be there. There's certainly plenty of room on his back for everybody to, to jump on. <laughs> That's right. So playoffs last year with, with Middleton's injury, obviously you can replay how that would change the, the oh, dynamic yeah. of the playoffs. I think <laughs> you know Boston fans would tell you the same thing. Yeah, um, yeah. What's your feeling about the season ahead? I mean, it's, it's sort of championship or bust, it feels like, when Giannis yeah. is right here in his prime. It, it absolutely is. And I think that expectation is what Giannis wants. It's what mm-hmm. Coach Bud wants. I think it's why you know guys like Bobby Portis said, there's you know ten million dollars a year out there for me in past years, and he said I'm good. I'm going to sign for less mm-hmm. to be in Milwaukee to chase championships to play with Giannis, and so I think that th- this is a team that is a contender, like you said, and as long as they're healthy, will always be, and that's the group you want to be in. It's never easy to win an eight month season, play every other day championship. Mm-hmm. Health has so much to do with it, but when you have Guys like Giannis, guys like Chris Middleton, guys like Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis, with the with the loyalty and the energy, saying this is where I want to be. I want to. It, it just seems like they've got, they've stirred this pot where it's like things that you didn't expect were going to happen can happen. Pat Connaughton, mm-hmm. the things he's doing in the community, it just goes ab- uh, above and beyond. And I think creates this positivity for the city and for the team. And so, I was at dinner last night with Coach Bud and, and Joe Ingles, mm-hmm. a, new, a new addition, one of my former teammates from Utah, who I think, again, is just going to kind of be that piece that really helps this team and fits right in. And you start to think about the Bucks defensively when you've got maybe Joe Ingles mm-hmm. as a two-guard taking up a ton of space, and you've got Drew Holiday, the best guard defender mm-hmm. in the league at the one. It's like, oh, and by the way, you've got Giannis Tendekumpo protecting the rim. So they've just got so many weapons, and they can make shots. And I think that that just makes them so dangerous. And like you said, if Chris Middleton was healthy, who knows what would have happened this year. But I would yeah. love to see a Bucks versus Golden State. Oh. You know, I just think that would be just such a cool finals. And For sure. You can guess which way I think that ends up going. But uh, I, there's no question that this franchise and team is, is in a great, great place. And so your role, 
kind of helping out pre and post game yeah. with the, the uh, what was it, Bally Sports Network. Yep. Yeah. Uh, with majority of the Bucks game, unless it's like a Thursday night TNT game, you guys right. are, are there working, right? Yep. So, yeah. and it's been awesome. Like I was saying, to just do the pre and post game, and uh, and this year as well, Marcus Johnson and I will be splitting like mm-hmm. the, the color commentary sure. uh, with Lisa Byington doing the the play by play. It's just been awesome because I do think back to the years when, you know, you mentioned the 2001 where that was like just this awesome run that didn't, they didn't get all the way there. But then there were some years that it was, you know, it's eight month season mm-hmm. and that they're playing every other night. And it could be a long year if you're not playing for something. And that's just not what it is right now. It's like every game is fun. You can go to a game, buy one game tickets, you and your family. And if you get to go see Giannis, you might go see something that you could you might never see again. Mm-hmm. He he plays like that, and I think that team this team is um, so fun to broadcast and to be around because they do have the such good guys, and because they are playing for something every night. And to be honest, just the operations and the game experience right now, it is a it is special. You almost don't even have to like basketball. I feel like to go <laughs> sure. to a Bucks game yeah. right now, they got you know Johnny Watson doing the in-game entertainment. My daughter. Who Shay? She would love a shout out on here. Who's nine years old? She loves going to the balloon guy, who makes the best balloons in the world at Pfizer Form. Sure. Um, so although the Bucks are great, the balloon guy's even better. There you go. And uh, it really is. It's fun being a part of the live game atmosphere and around these guys, like you said, Giannis, in his in his prime. So. It's an awesome time. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you on Bucks basketball this fall. Uh, we're looking forward to year number two of twos, freeze, and threes. Very happy to be partners with you again. Steve Novak, we appreciate your time here on the QuickCast, and uh, we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Love Quick Trip. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the QuickCast. Hey, we'll see you next time. <laughs>